Hey guys, welcome to the Youth Fitness Podcast. Topics on youth fitness with a focus on doing what's best for kids. Brought to you by the Martin Family, the developers of the Brand X Method, and the Athlete Coach Network. Youth need great coaches now more than ever. Brand X has dedicated themselves to doing what is best for kids for over two decades and now offers mentoring, education, programming, and resources in one smart package to empower coaches to efficiently deliver world-class youth programs. Check out their plug and play options and join the Brand X family today. You plus Brand X equals youth program success. Welcome to the Youth Fitness Podcast. We have a, a good friend, a Brandex staff member, and also, well, his resume is massive, but his name is Justin Harris, and he is, a he's been a teacher for 20 years. He has his bachelor's in elementary education. He's now at Forsyth, Forsyth School in St. Louis, and he's won a Teacher of the Year Award. Tell us about that. Well, this was a little award that I was um, given at the end of, I believe it was my fifth year teaching in New Orleans, kind of taking on a new role as a science teacher because we lost so many teachers during Hurricane Katrina that I went from being a third grade teacher to all of a sudden one day being asked like, hey, can you do fourth and fifth grade science? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I think so, you know, and um, teaching about rocks and simple machines and all that jazz. And, you know, lo and behold, at the end of the year, graduation, all of a sudden, they're calling my name for something that I didn't think I had any right to um, be given. But nevertheless, someone did. And I was very grateful and honored. And that was that. Awesome. Uh, I, that was that was a, uh, new information for me reading this. I'm not surprised at all that you, both that you did that and got recognized for it. But in addition to all that, Uh, Justin is also an athletic director, as well as a PE teacher at Forsyth School. He's co-founder of the Teen Lift Project, and we're going to come back to that in a bit. He's a varsity baseball coach. He has been for 10 years. He's obviously educated in youth fitness, um, has been through the Brand X Professional Youth course, is a major contributor to our educational content, and has been through the CrossFit L1s and kids certification, L1 and 2, it looks like, and CrossFit kids certifications. So quite a lot of background there, Justin, but more importantly, he's just an amazing human being that Jeff and I had the honor to meet, and hopefully you remember the story of how we found each other. Yeah, I think Justin should tell us the story of how he found each other rather than just droning on and on again. I've already talked enough, so. Well, it's kind of it's kind of an interesting story. I've actually shared it with a few other people because it just made me laugh. I I had actually been following you guys for much longer than you had known who I was. First off, through just the CrossFit Kids stuff that you guys did forever. When I was training baseball players, I was following a lot of the programming that you all were doing when you were um, working in, in in founding CrossFit Kids, and. I was also a third grade teacher and a baseball coach. So my background in PE and training youth was very, very limited. And so 
just by luck, I was asked to move over to this position as athletic director and PE teacher at this awesome school here in St. Louis, Forsyth. And when I was speaking with the, the head of school at that time, I, I said to him, I, there's a lot I need to learn. There's a lot I want to learn. And I know the places I need to go, I believe, to get that information. And he was very supportive. And so the first thing he did was paid for me to go get my L1 so that I could come to get my CrossFit Kids certification with you all. And the funny part about that is my first instructor I had was your son, Keegan Martin. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in Las Vegas with my colleague, Shelly, and you know got to know Keegan, got to learn some of your techniques and principles. And then you all came over to the Brand X method and I watched that shift. This information is really great. And it seems like it would be great if I was in a box setting with 12 kids, but a classroom with 45 kids at a time. Like, what can I do? Or what are some different things that you think I could do? And I think it was probably within 10 to 20 minutes of me um, submitting that, uh, my phone rang. <laughs> and it was this guy that, hey, this is Jeff Martin. You have a few minutes. And I thought, oh, no. Like, what did I do? <laughs> like, when you get one of those calls, I just felt like I was in trouble. I didn't know why. But one of the great things I love about both of you now knowing you is that you always want to talk to people that have thoughts and opinions because you want to learn. You guys are constantly growing and learning and evolving like all good teachers are. And you just wanted to know more about what I do, why I do it and whatnot. And that was, I think, the real fresh start of a really cool relationship that got into us having many conversations just about at the time, I think I was doing some basic baseline testing of youth because I wanted, I came from an education background where we would test readers and try to see where they were. And we would do benchmark testing so many times a year. And when I came to PE, I thought, well, why aren't we doing that same thing? So I wanted to see where our kids are, where they're going, and then where they end up. And I wanted to take that snapshot from their kindergarten years all the way up to their sixth grade years. So, you know, that's a lot of information you can gather over time. And I wanted to be able to at least show parents when they go, when they get to the end of the year, I want them to see like, oh, my kid could do two push-ups. Now they can do 12. Or they ran an 800 in four minutes and 50 seconds. And now they're, you know, three minutes and 30 seconds. I wanted to give them actual data to show how they've shown improvement. Because if they can show that, then that shows in our class, they've actually grown and developed, right? Uh, so you know, those conversations start out real small in, in the classic Jeff Martin way, I think. I was telling him about, yeah, I'm doing these like one minute box jump tests and one minute burpee tests. And, and he's like, yeah. So what are you doing? And I'm like, well, that's what I'm doing. Well, why? I'm like, well, because I think that's what I need to do. And I was looking at a lot of like the military basic testing and how they were doing some of these things. And, and I also looked at the presidential fitness testing that we had been doing. And I thought, I didn't like that the presence of fitness testing was looking at BMI and some of those factors with children, especially because as soon as we started to look at weighing and measuring kids, I immediately saw some red flags come up with parents being very, very concerned based on their past experiences with that. And so we immediately said, okay, we're not gonna do that. We'll scale it back. And so that's why that all came about, but that's also what led to the, relationship that I have with all of you now, which I can get into a lot more detail, but I tend to ramble. <laughs> 
So when, when you started talking about the, the kids there and what you're doing, I, for me, that's just this great memory because I think it was 2016 or mm -hmm. 17 when we were first out there and yeah. saw your amazing campus, unique in so many ways. First, the exploratory nature of the campus. I remember that little wilderness area where there mm -hmm. It's were on like a tree structure and rocks and water. And, and it's like this little nature place, like in the middle of a school campus that instead of don't go near there, which is what I grew up with, with a little forest next to my elementary school, don't go in. Because it was just the opposite, which was beautiful. And then you were running some kind of a seasonal event and it was fantastic. There were just like, Kids so, were so engaged. 50 yards slip and slide. I remember something like that. It was, it was pretty awesome. But I think that, you know, st stepping back on that. And just kind of digressing. No, something. no, but just kind of leading <laughs> up to it. The, the program you've developed is, is unique. So when we came in yeah. and watching just uh, you running a class, we're seeing, you know, obstacle course, courses, climbing walls, ropes course. You know, I mean. Yeah, that, I want to talk about that. Yeah, too. we're going to need to talk about that. The, I remember you recently talking to me about, yeah, we're doing archery, we're doing, and, you know, these are things that may have happened uh, back in the Stone Ages when I was uh, in PE, right. but, <laughs> right, but they, but, but they, um, but they're, <laughs> but they're so, uh, I don't want to say foundational as much as uh, um, they help the child develop such a broad range of abilities in physical education and physical fitness that that they can apply these these lessons they learn to almost anything and, and what i noticed immediately with coming to moving you know jetting forward to mickey's story and coming to this play day that we're watching i'm watching how these kids are moving compared to other schools that i'm seeing you know kids or kids are coming into the gym and i'm seeing how uh, how at home they are with their own bodies and able to do so many different things and enjoying moving from one thing to the next and being able to do that. It was yeah, magical us. to see the rapport that you clearly had with these students and, and how that carried over to their um, motivation to move and move well. And, and obviously that relationship with you and the trust and the wanting to show coach and man, it, it was a unique experience. Yeah. I'm the first to admit that I could not be in a more amazing institution than this. I mean, when you think about being a child, I think about this as like the probably Mecca of, you know, of, of learning um, and growth. And, you know, our school, we have a great mission. We, we, we believe that, you know, all children need to be challenged. There are certain ways that each kid is different in those challenges, but it doesn't mean that we're not challenging children in every way, every day. So my wife here runs the youngest group we have here. They're called the IAS group, E-Y-A-S. And that, I think that means like baby falcon, we're the falcons. And so that's like <laughs> another name for baby falcons. And, you know, they, when they walk into the school, when they walk into their classroom, they put their backpacks away on their own. They put their coats away. They take their shoes off before coming in the classroom. They put their shoes, their gloves, their things on. Now, granted, some kids don't have the fine motor skills to button a coat or zip and those things they're helped with. But from the very moment they walk in this school, they're being taught you can do it. And there's a growth mindset. And so 
You combine that with a campus that is very much, I think, Harry Potter-esque in the sense of like, we have different grade levels and different buildings all across campus. And then the courtyard or common ground in the middle of the campus is where everyone plays, everyone eats. Our, my daughter's a sixth grader here now, and she's been playing soccer on the soccer field since kindergarten with kids of every, all ages, all grades. I mean, they're all intermingled. There might be six soccer balls going at a time, but they're all playing soccer with the big kids, you know, and, and that's fun. And so when you, when you give kids these opportunities to mingle in different age groups, when you get them to understand that, like, you have to work hard and you have to develop a sense of work ethic to succeed. And then you also create the environment that when you fail, you learn how to get back up and keep going. It's okay to fail. I think that by the time these kids get to sixth grade, they're, I mean, they're amazing kids. I mean, I'm seeing it right now with my own daughter. I'm impressed every day with what she does. I mean, about a month ago or two months ago, she said, Hey dad, like I qualified for this math team here at school. I was thinking about doing that. So I, I was, my daughter Lily is a sixth grader here. Our school only goes to sixth grade. So she's been here for nine years now since pre-K. They have pre-K, junior K, then kindergarten, and then all the way up. And she's a, she, like I said, she's a little muscle. She loves to please. She loves playing sports. She does ballet and tap. And then she came home one day and was like, Hey, I passed this test to make this math team. I kind of want to do this with my friends. And our first initial reaction was, okay, like, I don't know if we have more time in the day to do something like this, but let's see what we can do. No, no problem. Let's do it, Lily. So every Wednesday after school here, she would meet with these kids and they would, they have, we have some really amazing math teachers and they basically just do math and they do these team problems and challenges and they compete with each other and it makes learning fun. And so she just went and competed two weeks ago in this math competition and uh, the, the point I'm trying to make is the reason why she, she did, she was the top ranking, like scoring girl in this, in these groups in math. And um, that is irrelevant. But the thing that's really cool about that is that like, she wants to be really good at math, just like she wants to be really good at soccer, just like she wants to be really good at basketball, and <laughs> at ballet and all of these things. And for her to have that confidence, like, Hey, I want to go try this. And then like perform very well, I think is a tribute to what our school nurtures and develops in every single child here, where they just want to do really awesome things. We have a kid that is now an eighth grader at a secondary school, and he, he played at Carnegie Hall, the piano. He's a, he's a prodigy. He's amazing. And after he played for these people for like 15 or 20 minutes, his name is Jerry Chang, if anyone wants to Google him. He was interviewed by this guy at Carnegie Hall and they're like, hey, Mr. Chang, like, what's your, what are your parents do? He's like, well, my dad is a mathematician at Washington University. I go to Forsyth School. And then they're like, well, what's your favorite subject? And thinking, oh, it's going to be math or right. He's like, oh, PE. And they all like burst out <laughs> laughing. And, he, and he, he's like, I looked at everybody and I didn't understand what was so funny. You know, like, yeah, like that's my favorite thing to do. And it's kind of our school's kind of a place where it's okay to be really, really good at sports and really, really, really smart. And the thing that happens is kids just enjoy doing their best. And that's kind of the culture that we try to create. You know, I mean, we were doing a warm up today and our kids were doing mountain climbers and I stopped the kids and I said, Hey, like, I know, you know how to do mountain climbers the right way. Why am I not seeing you do mountain climbers the right way? <laughs> Let's try this again, you know, and then all of a sudden they're all perfect. And so 
when it's all over and we finish a warm-up, I said, think about that for a second, y'all. Like, here you are, you know what's, what you're supposed to do, and then you don't. Like, why does that happen? And I know it's because they're kids and they're not thinking about anything. They just want to finish and move on to the next thing. And they're like, well, I don't know. And one, one little girl raised her hand. She's like, I was just being lazy. <laughs> and, and I'm like, it's okay. But you need to be mindful of moving the right way and moving well all the time. Just like you don't all of a sudden start reading a book and just skip five pages and then continue reading the story, right? And they're like, no, of course not. I'm like, right. So like, don't cheat your workouts. Like it just, you know, like they're okay. To, it's okay for them to mess up. It's okay for them to make mistakes. We have to grow and learn, but it's a safe place where kids feel like they can do all of those things and still be, you know, recognized as being just a really great person. So we're very fortunate. And it's not just me and PE. It is the, all the teachers and all the grades. It's, it's having support from our administration to be that way. And it's like my wife and down in the two and three-year-olds teaching those kids how to pick up little beads and put them away and clean up their messes. And, you know, it's all that stuff all in one. So pretty awesome. So, so speaking of your school being such a safe place, let's talk about the rock wall and the, and the ropes course. <laughs> yeah, that's a great segue into safe things that we do. <laughs> so we have a 30-foot rock wall, uh, 30 feet by, I think, 30 by 30, so very, very large with six auto belays around the top. And from our little junior kindergartners that are, you know, four and turning five all the way up to 12-year-olds, we climb. We climb, we swing, we fall, we do all of those things. And we, we do them. I do it too. Yeah, yeah we. Um, yeah, uh, we have to demonstrate them. We have to show kids what it's like. We have to help kids. Sometimes I have to go rescue kids. But there's this, do what? Hard hat, goggles. Yeah, we, we wear, we, we teach them how to put on harnesses, helmets. Like we do all, everything. And so we're constantly trying to push the envelope to get kids comfortable being uncomfortable. That's kind of the way that when parents come and see us doing these things, that's what I try to explain to them. And at times with, I've had like these junior kindergarten teachers before, like have this little girl who's, you know, four years old and not terrified, or maybe she is a little bit, but climbing up this ladder that's going up to this high beam that we have in the gym, 35 feet in the air. And she's on an auto belay, but she's climbing and she's halfway up and she's like, coach, I'm scared. And I'm like, I think you're doing great. Keep going. And she goes a little further and she's like, I think I'm, I think I'm scared coach. I'm like, you know what? Look up. You're almost there keep going. And it, the teacher's like, I think she needs to stop. I, need, I think she needs to get down. And I'm like, you know what? If you saw, you know, 70 to 80 kids every day coming through here doing the same thing, I would probably take what you're saying to heart, but give it time and see what happens. And she gets, this little girl gets about two ladder rungs from the very top. And she's like, I think I'm really getting scared. But now her voice, you can start to hear her voice, you know, tremble a little bit. And I say, okay, take a deep breath. I want you to look up. I want you to see that beam. Do you think you can step up one more rung and touch that beam and let go? Or do you need to come down? And she looks at it and she thinks for a little bit. And she's like, I think I can do one more. And so then she goes up one more, touches the beam. And then it's like, I just let go. And that's the hardest part It's like, yeah, now you just let go and the auto belay will bring you down. But this little girl did this. And I looked at the teacher and I said, now think about this. If I would have stopped when you wanted her to stop, she would have made it halfway and wouldn't get to go home and tell mom, I did it. I did it. I did it. 
you know, and it's all a process. And so it's, it's getting teachers to understand also like what these different levels of challenge are, right? Like challenge here might be going to the beam challenge in the classroom might be putting your shoes on or zipping up your coat or sitting still, right? Like who knows, but there are all kinds of different levels of that. And what might look like chaos to some people in this room is really organized fun with, with a big baseline of structure. Cause before any kids can climb, they have to understand we have climbing commands. We have to check all the harnesses and helmets. They know how to do that. They know that if something doesn't feel safe to try to take it off. And if you can, then it wasn't safe, <laughs> you know, then we're going to fix it. But we have this high ropes course here. It is a continuous belay high ropes course. So for those listening that might not understand, if you've ever been to a climbing facility and you have these, this harness on with these carabiners, usually you have these rabbit ears, one black, one red, or something like that, that when you go from obstacle to obstacle, you take one off, clip it on, take another one off, clip it on, and then you move on to the next obstacle. Well, our school is one of, I think might be the only one in an elementary school in North America is a continuous belay. So once they get clipped into the ropes course, they can't come off. And that's for safety purposes, obviously. But that also gives us an opportunity to let kids that are, you know, four years old go around this, as well as kids that are 12. And we have a rope bridge, we have Tarzan ropes up there, we have a cargo net, we have a free kind of flowing wooden bridge that you walk across with no arms on the side, so you just have to balance and go across. And it's really cool. You know, like I have, I have a 15 year old freshman daughter who went to school here that hated that ropes course. Oh my, for years, she's like, dad, I don't want to go any further. I don't want to do it. And I looked at her and I smiled and I said, I love you now go. <laughs> and she would, and she would do it. And then, and, and as she kept going, she, she got more and more comfortable, but I have my younger daughter, Lily, who at three years old, she would go up and help me set up the course. And I would always clip her in and she's like, yeah, can I go around? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Knowing that there's no way she can climb around this thing. She's too little. And lo and behold, I look up and she's three obstacles, you know, on it. And she found ways to climb up, you know, like a big pole with just her arms and her legs to get it through. Whereas most kids wouldn't even think about doing those things. She's just fearless. And it, it just shows how kids are different, how kids develop in different ways. I mean, we've had some kids that would never step foot on the big beam, which stands 35 feet in the air and kids balance and walk across it to sign a book that they leave for little friends or their siblings. And I had a kid that wouldn't step more than three feet off the ground his entire time here at Forsyth. And the very last day of school, he comes to me and says, coach, I want to do the beam. And I looked at him and I, and I said, look, man, I, I know you might think you want to do this, but we've been down this road now for six years. If I'm going to set up all this stuff, like, and you don't do it, this is going to be a big pain. Like, I want you to really think about this. Like, I really, really think don't about disappoint this. disappoint me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I, and I said, like, look, if we just end it right here, it's all good. Like, we're fine. You can just move on. Yeah, coach wouldn't let me. We'll be fine. If you really, really want to do it, though, I'll set it all up. And he's like, no, I really want to do it. And I also have six friends that said they would hoist me up. So one of the really cool things about the beam is we put it on an old knotted rope. And so kids don't climb a ladder or anything to get up there. They just have to stand and wait and their classmates pull them up and they use commands and, and they hoist them all the way up there. And obviously we have them on a safety rope that we use as a belay, but you know, part of the cool part, 
cool thing about it is seeing their classmates are all together and pulling them up. Like, you know, it's like one big thing. And this guy got up there. He walked across the beam. He signed it. He came down and I looked at him and I'm like, well, what are you thinking? He goes, I can't believe I made such a big deal about this for so long. I should have done all these things. You know, and I'm like, okay, but it took him a lot longer than everybody else, but you know, he was able to do it. And we've had some kids that aren't successful doing it. They come back when they're 18 and we bring the seniors back every year. And usually there's a sibling or a cousin or somebody that knows somebody that we have do the beam together where they'll cross in front of the whole school. And I always get a kid that'll come by and like, Hey, can I do that again? Like when it's all, all this stuff is over. And I'm like, yeah, so we'll get the um, 18 year olds up and they'll do it again. And sometimes we'll have a kid that like, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't have the courage to do that. Can I do it now? And they'll do it. And so it's still neat to see that like that means something to them. Yeah. Just as, just as much as like we do a mile run every year and we keep track of the top 10 boys and girls times of the whole school each and every year. And we're in the process of building like a wall, a, a mile record wall where we're putting the top scores of all time up there. And, you know, those kids will come back and they'll stare at those things. Oh, mm -hmm. I remember like, you know, I couldn't do that. And I have a funny story about a kid that he has a type of personality that he doesn't ever really seem like he's really working that hard, but he is so athletic and talented that he does things and you kind of scratch your head and like, wow, how do you do that? Well, we were getting ready to do the mile run. This kid is now a sophomore in high school and I'm walking up to the track to the Washington university track, which is just across the street here. And he's like, you know what, coach, I think I'm going to break the record today on the mile at the school. And I'm like, Oh yeah, really? Okay. <laughs> what's, how are you going to do that? And he's like, well, what's the record? And I'm like, it's six minutes flat is what the top time for a boy or a girl is. He's like, yeah, I'm going to beat that today. Like, okay. Like, I, I, I can't wait, you know, let's see what happens. He goes out and runs a 535 mile. Like he didn't just beat it. He crushed it. And when he finished, I'm like, wow, Kai, I, what'd you think? And he's like, man, that was hard. Like, and he's just like, well, that was it. You know, like I, I, I immediately like get on the phone and call his parents. Like, Hey, I just want to let you know, like, you know, he did this awesome thing today. Like no one's been within 25 seconds of his time. And they, and they laugh. I'm like, yep, that's Kai. He didn't tell any, he didn't, we didn't even know he was running the mile today. They didn't even say anything to us, you know, and it started off as an event that we all, we always did every year and we would keep track of and maybe get like two or three parents. And now it has become this almost like school-wide event where parents are asking what time is my kid's age group running and they're taking off work and they're coming up and we've got a hundred parents in the stands watching and cheering and you know it's that can be a double-edged sword right it can be a good thing when their kids do well and it can do a bad thing when they <laughs> see their kids you know crash and burn and there's all a lot of learning in there too you know for the parents and for the kids and so the good news is the parents trust us you know with what we do and so that really helps us and our school do some really awesome things. That's why the climbing works. That's why, you know, when they're in kindergarten, we put them on this rope and on a pulley up at the top of the beam and we call it the flying squirrel. And a kid runs one way and me and coach stone run the other way. And we have them on a harness and they just float and fly through the air. Um, no one normal does this stuff, but that's what we do. And they love it. But you know, like you have to start doing these kids, these things with kids when they're young, because as you know, it's kind of like spinning, you know, on a spinner or just jumping and doing twirls. 
as we get older and our ear, our inner ears harden and different things happen like balance, we can't do those things like that. And, and then we tend to develop anxiety and fears to doing all those things. And so by doing these things now, we hope that we can create this environment where they're willing to calculate the risks and take good risks, obviously, but you know, they just continue to grow forever. So we want to bring them a program that they can take tools with them that they can have lifelong learning. So when a kid leaves here in sixth grade, they never have another PE class, but all of a sudden they're 18 years old and they're like, I need to get in shape. They should have a pretty decent foundation of knowledge to know there are some things they can do to get there. Okay. I love this because it, it hits on some stuff I was looking at recently about risk-taking. I'm sure you've um, seen information out there on that and how important it is in certain ages and challenges and something that Jeff had always said, which is, you know, the kids will meet the, the goal you set for them. So don't set it low, you know, I, I, and in just a very simplistic um, analogy, uh, people would ask me for kids programs, okay, I need to get really small boxes, right? For them to, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I need really, really small ones for them to jump onto. I'm like, no, get all the sizes, allow some kids to choose the low one, but man, they'll, they'll kill it if you let them. But I also, want, I wanted to, to say, I know that you have a story that includes both risk-taking and flying squirrels. And I thought maybe you would share that. Risk-taking because my mother told me not to. Um, oh, come on. It's a great story. I had a, we're on risk-taking and flying squirrels. I had a flying squirrel as a pet. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And... <laughs> And this is not, I don't think this is real risk taking other than <laughs> my dad, other than my dad, what happens when my dad gets upset. My mom had a very fancy dinner party with one, with a bunch of her friends. I think like 20 couple came over. Did she tell you not to let the flying squirrel out? I'm, you're getting ahead of me. Okay. <laughs> um, so I had this flying squirrel that I loved to pet. And she said to me during the party, do not let the flying squirrel out. So the party was probably three minutes into going. And what did I do? <laughs> you let it out. <laughs> I let it out. It then proceeded to get out of my bedroom, out of the back part of the house, into, into the area with thing. And then it was on top of it, was, it. It basically got into the party, of course, and got up into the uh, top of the, the drapes and things like that. And then was going from one person to the next across the ladies who were in their Oh, family. man. And um, as I recall, I was, as my mom tells it, I was like, you know, five or six years old, walking through the party, looking at the, looking at the ceiling, trying to find where the, where the thing was. And then all of a sudden there was chaos because I found, we found the squirrel. Um, it's, like cousin, it's like Cousin Eddie in Christmas yeah. Vacation. I just thought it was a good little story. Well, you know, it's funny when you, when you talk about risk taking, I had a, a sophomore girl I train at my house um, a couple of days a week has aspirations of playing like really high level soccer beyond high school. And I've been training for about two months now. And I brought out our plyo box, 24 inches high, you know, and when she came in to start getting loose, she saw me training my younger daughter, Lily, who's a sixth grader jumping on a 30 inch box. And I saw her looking like very curiously at Lily jumping up on this box and didn't say anything. Well, and then it was time for her to do her workout and we're doing this accessory work. And I 
pull this box um, down to 24 inches. I'm like, all right, we're going to do some box jumps. And I start talking about how we load and jump and land and all these other things. And she's like, I haven't done this since I was like five years old. And I'm like, oh, you've jumped on 24 inch boxes before? She's like, no, 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 no. I didn't do that when I was five. I've just never jumped on a box since I was that age. And I'm like, that's okay. You just, you just jump, you know? And it, she stood there for probably a minute, like just trying to gain the courage. And of course the first jump, she lands on her knees and her hands are on top. And I'm like, Hey, like you almost got it. You know? And she looks at me and she's like, how did your daughter who's like way shorter than I am just do that with six more inches? I'm like, well, she's practiced jumping. You know, the more we practice jumping, the better you're going to be. So by the end of this, you're going to be able to jump on here fine and you're going to be comfortable. But right now you just have to overcome that fear. And it's the same thing as we're talking about with the climbing, you know, it, after she finished her first round, which was spotty and, every aspect you can imagine of um, how she's jumping the second time I said, okay, now I just want you to take a deep breath and just go like deep breath, go. And then boom, she lands flat feet, knees out. Everything's perfect. And her dad came in the last like five minutes and he's just like, this is, I see your progression. I see what you've been doing with her over time. And I see how she's growing. And it's just like, it's, that's the fun part, right? Is when like, I know what's happening. I know it's going to happen. Just like we as parents knew that when our kids were crawling, they were going to walk. It's the same concept. But when the parent actually sees it and then they start to connect, okay, this is why you've been doing this and this and this, like that is where I feel like the kid really gets the whole shebang because now the parents are buying in. They understand. And that's kind of what we have here at the school. It's just really fun. That's That's funny you should mention that because we've been spending a great deal of time talking to youth programs outside of schools Mm -hmm. uh, and how to make sure that they had a good plan and process for educating parents, because obviously those are the people driving those kids to the, to your gym. I mean, obviously in a school setting, but that just that whole thought process and walking that down, what's your plan to make sure they become engaged enough to not look at what their child is doing as simply an activity, but as a necessary foundation for everything else that builds on it. And that's a big deal. And it sounds to me like you do have really engaged parents there though. Yeah, we have, we have, we just have an amazing community. I mean, through and through, we have very supportive, just everyone involved is very supportive. I mean, as an example, I helped chair a golf tournament to raise money for um, kids to play in our sports program. So we say play golf so kids can play sports. And, um, you know, there were some people that organized it and did a great job of it, but it would raise probably like $5,000 a year. And then I, I got involved and I just started reaching out to more parents like, hey, like, come play golf with us. And, you know, and the funny part is like one, as one dad put it, well, if Coach Harris says I have to play, I guess I got to go play golf. on <laughs> You know, but when you start to build this community like we have, like, I think the last three years, we've raised well over $20,000 to wow. go to help these kids. And and that I think shows right there, like parents are willing to do what, whatever it takes. And, and, and there's just a lot of trust there that we really appreciate that I know, unfortunately, not everybody has, but when you can talk to people and feel comfortable talking about what you do and share your thoughts, it, it's, I'll tell you a story about baseball coaching in a moment to, to connect this, but if you can share comfortably what you do, there's no mat, there's no secret sauce right? Like it's, it, it, there's, there's ways you do things. And if you're comfortable sharing it and it's the right, right way to do things as teachers, we still good ideas and we continue to implement them. 
when I was a baseball coach down in New Orleans, Louisiana, all of the top schools around us, we would all get together and run a baseball camp. And we loved it because it got us together with other coaches like us to talk about baseball, which we love to do. But what we realized is it's not the way we're, we would talk about our training methods and we were openly sharing them because no one there felt like they had to hide anything because we're just going to talk about what we think are the best practices, so to speak. And we know that everyone can follow the best practices, but it's the talented kid that does it consistently and effectively that's going to be the one that gets drafted. It's not because you're doing this special thing in your little corner or not telling anyone. And so, you know, that has really, I think, helped. I mean, I was at a school coaching baseball here in Clayton, Missouri, before I came to Forsyth. And I remember watching one of our coaches, who's the head coach, he was doing a drill swinging a bat with a kid with a volleyball under his arm. I'd never seen that before. So I wanted to learn why. And the school where I was before this in New Orleans at Newman, Isidore Newman School, I coached under a guy that had been, he was the winningest baseball and basketball coach in the state of Louisiana. His name's Billy Fitzgerald. There's actually a book written about him and our team called Coach by Michael Lewis, who's written Blindside and Liar's Poker and some of those pretty, pretty well-known author. And, you know, Coach Fitz, the first day I ever came to a practice to coach varsity baseball at 22 years old, I'm sitting in this office with this six foot six, like Bob Knight looking figure, you know, intimidating looking guy. And he's like, what do you think we need to do today at practice? And I go, whatever you want me to do. <laughs> I have no idea, you know? And he's like, well, okay. So I'll write out a plan for us today, but tomorrow you need to have an idea of something that you need to, a drill that you need to run that we need to do. And he goes, I don't ever want you to come here and don't think you have something to add. And if it's terrible, you'll learn it's terrible and we'll talk about it. And if it's great, we'll keep implementing it. But if we're a team, you have to bring the things that you're good at here as well. So always be prepared. And here's about 12 other books you can read that you can learn some other things off that he gave me. But the, the, the point I'm trying to make is that like he made me understand that good teaching is wanting to be an eager learner. And so you have to constantly look at things that people do well and say, what is, what's taking them to that level versus what this group is doing? And like all those kids are reading above grade level. Why? How? You know, it, it goes into everything we do. And then you try to implement that. And he really taught me that from the first moment I ever started coaching so that when I came to ask this other guy that I was coaching with at a new school, you know, 10 years later, and he's like, don't worry about it. Like that didn't sit well with me. So after practice, I pulled him over and I said, Hey, like, I know you're the boss, like you're the head coach, but if you can't tell me why you're doing that drill, then maybe you shouldn't be doing that drill. And he kind of looked at me he, and he was like, he didn't like that. You know, maybe I put overstepped a little there, but I wanted to make a point to him that if he was going to have me as a coach with him, it's not just to go do this. We're going to be, I'm going to be a learner and I'm going to be a part of the team. Yeah. And if you don't want me to be a part of the team, that's fine. But like, we've got to change something. And, you know, I think that's part of the problem we have in strength and conditioning programs across the country. I think it's some of the problem we have with athletic programs across the country is people just want to do what they did because they, they did it without really understanding the why. For example, when I first started coaching at this school down in New Orleans, the volleyball coach and I started training the volleyball players and the baseball players together. They were all doing the same workouts and they were getting very strong and they were having a good time. And people were like, I can't believe you're doing this with the boys and the girls. I'm like, well, why? The weight's just different. That's it. Like the girls move better than the boys do. You really watch, you know, but all, but both teams were successful. We were winning state championships in volleyball and in baseball 
And the reason why was the mindset. So, you know, when we, when I got up here to Clayton, I asked the coaches in August, like, so when do we start training? And they're like, oh, well, we start the season in like first week of March and it'll go through the end of May. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I know, I know the baseball season up here in New Orleans, it's January to like May. They play, you play forever, but up here because of the cold weather, it's a lot different. And I'm like, no, when are we off season lifting for the non football or basketball athletes? And like, well, we don't have one of those. And so immediately I'm like, okay, can we set up an all call meeting for anyone interested in baseball who's not a fall or winter athlete? And I had five kids show up, freshmen, scrawny as can be. And I'm like, all right, guys, like we're going to go and we're going to throw and then we're going to go lift. And then afterwards, if there's time left and, and we're allowed to, I'll open the hitting cages up and you guys can do some drills and I'll just observe, you know. And I was told we can't go hit. We can't go throw. We're not allowed to do that stuff. I go, okay, well, can we lift weights? Yes, you can lift weights. Well, okay. So I started developing a strength program that like I had used down in New Orleans. And these guys loved it. They were always there. They were willing to learn. They're like little sponges. And the next year we did it. I had 25 guys. And I'm like, <laughs> where did all you guys come from? And they're like, dude, we want to get jacked. You know, like we want to get ready for baseball season. I'm like, well, weren't you guys playing like football and basketball? They're like, oh, we just wanted something to do. Now we have something to do. We want to lift weights. And it became a program changer. You know, the good thing that was really neat to see is the coach, one of the assistant coaches when I left continued that and they made it all the way to like a state championship and lost not too long after that. But I think just that mindset of like, this is what we do. This is how we do it. Like you have to understand that in all aspects of, of like growing, right? Like in youth, like kids have to be learning how to tie their shoes and practice it over and over and over at five. And kids have to learn how to start like trying new things and taking different risks at 12 than they did when they were five. And parents have to learn to be more, I think, disciplined with their children. Like, I think that's changed a lot over time. I think that's probably the biggest challenge that I see currently with our kids is that there's kids very, they don't go out and play nearly as much. Even our kids here, they still move well and do all the things that we do. They still, when they go home, I don't think get out and play as much as they need to. And, and they're over-programmed, right? So parents will put them in a car, give them an iPad and drive them to this sibling's swim practice and then take their kid to dance thing and do something else. But the kid has been sitting for four hours on an iPad, you know, and whereas I, like, if I have, if I'm at my practice with one of my kids, if it's, I'm at a soccer practice, for example, and the other one's there, well, we have a soccer ball. Now we're going to practice soccer. Like, or we're going to go for a run around the park. You know, we're going to go do something. We're not just going to sit in the car. And there, it's just, I think parenting is hard. I think parents tend to not realize the damage they're doing to their kids by giving them the first option is take the electronic device because it doesn't bother me anymore. And I think as parents, the more we can educate ourselves and I'm not the, I'm not, I do not think I'm the best parent in the world, by the way, but I do think I'm pretty tough on my kids and I think they do well in school and they do well on the sports teams and they're natural captains and leaders of those teams because of the way that we've raised them, the expectations that we've held for them. When my daughter turned 15, we went and got her permit. She was driving that day, right then. She has friends that are still 15 for months, haven't gotten their permits. And that's crazy to me. Like when I was 16, yeah. all I wanted to do was drive the car by myself. And that, um, that is super common now. 
a, there's a whole chapter on that in uh, one of Gene Twenge book, Gene Twenge's books on uh, the changes over the decades in Generation X, Generation Z, she calls it something else, and it's just escaping right. me at the moment. But the point is how things have changed and that 15-year-olds don't, they don't have that same motivation that, that we had, that you had, to want to be out there and be independent because they have so many other options. And, and so it is, it is really different. And, and congratulations to mm -hmm. you for sticking with all the, the right things. You didn't think I was going to get. <laughs> I, um, I, somebody asked recently about our kids because they've been, they're high achievers. Our kids are high achievers. And I always say, well, you know, they got their intelligence from their mom. And then I was really hard on them. That's a joke. You know, so I was just, I was, I look back and go like, you know, if, if, if they were in, you know, kids coming up through my martial arts school, if they were going to get a belt, my kid had to be, you know, you know, head and shoulders above it. So just what everybody else was achieving. And I just required so much of my kids all the time. I look back on that and go, I go like, well, I was really hard on them. But now this is where they're at and, they, and they're doing really well and everything's wonderful. And now I get to be a grandparent where I do the exact opposite, which is exactly. <laughs> I just say yes. And I let my granddaughters and grandsons just do whatever they want with me. And it's fine because my parents, they're, they're, I'm not the parent anymore. So they, they kind of like that. So it's like what you get, you know, if you just put the time in, when you're a parent, then you get this, you get this gets to be paid off where it's, you know, I get to see my granddaughter and go, we're just going to have fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it's true. And, and that's, the, that's the way you want it to be. And I, you know, I, I actually said to a friend of mine the other day, he's a new parent. And I was like, welcome to the club, you know, all those little things you say. And then I'm like, if there's one thing that I can tell you to remember is that it's okay to say no to your kids. Just remember that it's okay. Like, you're not going to let them stick their finger in a light socket, just like you're not going to let them eat a candy bar every day. It's okay. And the sooner that you can realize that, like the better you're going to feel about what you do and re always remember the why about like why we're doing this, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's a tough thing. I mean, I think teachers sometimes have to remember it too. You know, like, I mean, I'm probably known here at school as a, as a tough, but fair teacher. Um, I think the more kids, been with more time they spend with me they realize like I'm just kind of a big softie but but I do have certain ways that I want things to be done my daughters would say like the thing I care about most is respect you know just don't be disrespectful if you can just be a nice person and do the things you're supposed to do and you know not mouth off like a typical teenager would we'll get along very well you know but but you know I I do think there's a correlation in current changes in kids and current changes in parenting that have led us down this road that I see us in 10 or 15 years saying, how do we fix this problem? Because we have a big one. And it's going to involve not only how kids think, how they learn, how they achieve, but it's also going to be how their bodies are breaking down and how their posture is and, you know, like how athletic or unathletic they are. And it's going to be because of the environment they've created. And I see that all the time. And with the kids that we've, we work with, with Team Lift right? Like these kids eat whatever they're, they're let, they're allowed when they're younger to eat anything they want all the time. So they pick the things that are sugary and taste great. And then they just eat those and don't eat other things. They don't understand that there's the food is fuel, right? Like that there's everyday foods, sometimes foods and every once in a while foods. That's kind of how I talk about it with my girls. 
And as a result, they go down, they spiral down this path that they never know how to climb out of. And we end up having to, you know, strip these kids down and start to, first of all, give them self-confidence, give them their confidence back by reminding them that they're, they might be 400 pounds, but they're super strong. They're a really strong person. And look, I can show you, lift that up, you know, and they're lifting it safely and they're doing it rep after rep. But now let's talk about how you ate today. And for most of these kids, they're like, well, I didn't eat today until four o'clock. And they're coming in our gyms at seven o'clock at night. And I'm like, well, you can't do that. Like, you're not like, how are you going to learn? How are you going to be? Oh, I don't. I, I fall asleep all the time in class. Okay. So let's talk about what food does to your body. Right. And I mean, that, that happens a lot. I've actually got one kid here, love the kid and he ate a, and, and he may still, still working on him, but ate a bag of chips every day. Every single day, he would have a bag of chips for lunch. And I know at night it was fast food. And so I brought in for two weeks straight, a different type of food, like carrots, strawberries. Like, and I'm like, you have to take one bite. Come on. The, I, I made the mistake day one, giving him a carrot. Shouldn't have given him a carrot. <laughs> it was a rough day. It was a rough day. But like, was it cooked? The, no, it was not cooked. Well, um, at least you picked the, the, the A version of the carrots. Yeah. And, but he just didn't, he was, he's a texture guy, you know, he doesn't like the texture. And so the, he still didn't really like doing all of that, but he, his willingness to try to eat those things and to do those things was the part that I was, that was the goal for me, right? Is if I can get him just to take a bite and to get that taste on his tongue, that was a win. And he, and he, and he finally, every day he would do it. It was, sometimes he was reluctant, we learned that he doesn't like to smell things first, which is what he always wanted to do. Like, what is that? Oh, that, no, that's not going to taste good. You know, like just, just put it in, just go for it. But he's a kid also who during COVID, his mom would reach out to me every day. Can you send us some more workouts? We're doing them together. We're, we're loving these, you know, and we have a school field day during COVID. We ended up doing a community-wide like bingo card of activities. And so there was like, do a family workout you know, take a hike, do these things, play, play like sock golf, you know, with your, with your family and, you know, like getting your community and kids involved and doing these things. I, it all, I hope that through this whole podcast, people understand, like it's the whole child, right? It's everything. It's not just what you do at school. It's what you do at home. It's what your kids do when no one's around. It's, it's everything. And you try to just keep pumping them with good information. And like you were saying earlier, Jeff, setting that bar high, of the expectations that you have to have, because when you do, kids are going to meet them or they're going to, or they're going to, you know, go down trying. And if you don't set the bar high and you just let them just kind of get on with, you know, nothing's ever hard. What are you really creating? Like, what, what are they going to be like when it, when they really do face adversity? You know, I sadly just had a, a former um, student of mine. She just um, left Foresight two years ago. Her father just passed away yesterday, pancreatic cancer. They found out he, for five weeks, he lasted after his diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, I, ho- I hope that the, the things that we've helped her in her life, like as far as like just resiliency and like positivity and that mindset of growth, I, I just hope that those things are in her to help her and her mother deal during this tragic time. Like, because that's where the real challenge comes in, right? It's those life changing things that happen that that's when you really hope the things that you've learned can be there for you, those tools in that toolbox. 
the environment that you're creating there and everything you're speaking about really to me comes down to like the perfect environment like you said it's kind of magical and it, it, it is because you're thinking through what are all the best things we can provide our students here to give them the best opportunity to be able to be resilient when life hits them and and be healthy and be smart and and try new things and and everything and it's it's hopeful and one of the things that it's hard because we we all look at all the things that are going on with kids and we see kind of the negative and the sadness and uh oh what's going to happen but speaking to somebody like you is very hopeful rather than the opposite because you're doing all the right things and contributing to doing what is best for kids which for us is man that's the juice anybody out there doing that we're just so grateful for and we're really grateful for to you and especially for taking your time today i know you probably have a tight schedule to go to something in the um, last five i have a i have a lot of, <laughs> i have a lot of fun today we have in about 10 minutes an interview we're looking to hire a, a, a dei person dij person to come in to help with our curriculum and just our culture and environment here at school. So we're getting ready to have that interview. And then I get to drive. My oldest daughter has a basketball game today. So I'm going to go see her. She had one last night. She has one today, has one Friday. Wrapping up, Justin, let's save Team Lift for, for yeah, bringing, bringing Justin back for Team Lift. But mm-hmm. tell us about your daughters real real briefly, because um, you've talked a lot about them, but I know they're you're really proud because uh, they've worked really hard and they're high achievers and they're high achievers as um, athletes. So tell us a little bit about them and then uh, we'll get you out of here quick. Oh, no problem. Their whole reason why I do everything I do is because of them. I mean, I, I grew up not knowing my father. I met my father five years ago. My mom had me at 16 years old. You know, we had a pretty rough life. There was a lot of struggle that she had growing up with addiction. The good news is we've all grown since then. She's grown, but I wanted to be a father to my children that I had always hoped I could, I had hoped to have. And so by getting to have these two awesome girls in my life and be a girl dad, there's nothing that I get more excited about. So my oldest daughter, Cece's 15, you know, here at Forsyth, we have volleyball, we have softball, we have soccer, we have basketball. She did all those things and she really tended to be pretty good at them. So she plays club soccer for a club team here in town club AAU basketball she travels um, and plays and now as a freshman she has been fortunate enough that she made the varsity team and has had I think four starts this year for her varsity team and is playing a lot of minutes and being a pretty productive member of her team and I'm just super proud because the one thing that she has learned through all of this and that we've talked about since she really started playing these select club sports and third grade was that, you know, if you're going to do this, you're going to work at it, number one. And that work at it means train physically, you know, mentally, eat right, sleep right, and practice your skills. And we've just always had that kind of mindset with our, and our family and everything we do. And I think that has given her the ability to be, she's really strong, really fast. Those are probably the two key things that people tell me Every time, like on a soccer field, she'll hit a ball. She, I think she had probably four or five goals this year in club soccer from like 40 plus yards out. Like she can strike a ball very well. And they're like, how is she so strong? I'm like, well, it's funny you ask. I'm actually a strength coach. <laughs> um, it's, it, it, she, she, she lifts weights. And they're like, really? Isn't that, doesn't that hurt her? Absolutely not. It doesn't hurt her. She, uh, 
she's as you can see she's doing fine she's one of the few kids that plays an entire game 90 minutes she doesn't come off she never came off of one game in the field actually there was a time she came off once because the coach said that girl is not being nice put her in check so she went back out on the field and made sure that didn't happen anymore so that's Cece. she's kind of a bruiser tough-minded girl just great kid my youngest daughter she is the typical youngest daughter i'm going to please you at all costs lily she is a she's uh she's gonna do some pretty amazing things cc is too but she everything just comes really easy to her and i think it's partially growing up with an older sibling that's super competitive and you're just always there she's been on the ball ball fields playing soccer with her since she was at her practices when she was in kindergarten and first grade second grade with all the older kids, she still plays and practices against the older kids with her. And she's just a natural leader. She has such an understanding from an IQ standpoint about tactically every game that she she tends to be on her team. They call her sometimes the team mom because <laughs> she tells people where to be, what to do, what to not, not to do. But she's the one person on the team that coach will ask a question and be like, I wanna know who knows this answer. Everyone but LJ can answer. That's her nickname on this field. And one girl asked one time, why, why can't LJ answer? Because she already knows everything. And she's not a know-it-all, but she really does understand. She really understands that tactical side of things in all sports. And, she, and because of that just seriousness about her, she's the one that comes to me, hey, dad, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train tonight. I got some time free. And I'm like, okay. You know, like she, there's, that's why she does well on the math team and does well in ballet. And she, um, she only goes to ballet when she doesn't have a sports conflict, which as you guys know, isn't that often, but she came told me the other day, she's like, Oh, I have this solo that I'm doing um, in the ballet. And I'm like, Oh, how many other girls are that? Oh, it's just me. And I'm like, wow. Like, I don't know how you can get a solo when you haven't been there for the last month. Cause you've been busy. She's like, well, I still practice, you know? And she's like, I already know the dance. I just practice, you know? Like, okay. You know, but that's, that's, that's her. And all of those things I would love to take a lot of credit on, but truly like it's my wife. She's the reason why these things are the way they are. The reason why they're gifted athletes is because of her. The reason why they're such strong students is because of her. And I just know how to teach them how to lift weights. So that, that's what I do. No, honestly, though. I'm not going to let you get away with that. <laughs> um, almost every time we've had a conversation, you are on the, or no, not when that we've had conversations that weren't in person. You're on the phone on the way to or from sport practice, but you have this awesome ability to go boundaries. Okay, we're here, game's on, gotta hang up, gotta go, dad. And I love that. Like, so, so, and they need that as much as they need coach, maybe more. So I think that's perfect. And they're lucky to have you, Justin. I'm sure your wife, I've met your wife, is amazing. She is but, amazing. But but you're you're uh, you're doing a great job too. Well, I've you know it's it's funny. I, I appreciate those kind of words. Thank you. But it, it it is funny because especially as my daughter is now 15, my oldest one, it's I'm learning now how to be a better dad. You know, I got to listen more, talk less just say, I love you, kid, give her a hug, because she already knows everything that's gone. If something doesn't go right in a game, she already knows. She doesn't need to talk about that. She just needs support. And so, you know, we, we talk about these things and coming from a coach, my first instinct is one to like, 
look at every little snippet like what were you thinking here here and I, i've learned yeah. that like that doesn't matter like she's she, i know she'll go back and watch that game and she'll know that moment on her own i just have to say hey like are you doing okay do you need some you mean to make something to eat like did you take your did you did you take everything you needed to take for bed or is everything good you know and and that's hard at times because again it's kind of like being a teacher sometimes you have to let your kids struggle right and you have to let yeah. them get through those things but it's been really cool to see she she was struggling with something the other day and i'm like why don't you go talk to your coach and my wife and i were talking she's like should i maybe email the coach and i'm like i don't know let's wait let's just hold off and you know 20 minutes later after i dropped her off she's like oh i just went to the coach's office and talked to him who by the way he's the head of the upper school at her school so it's not like she's just going to the coach she's also going to like the principal you know and yeah. she's and she's talking to him and you know and he sends us a note and he's like hey like i really think it's cool that she has the like just the initiative to come in and talk because that's now i know how she's thinking and i know how to relate to her and talk to her because it's hard being the only freshman on a team full of upperclassmen who have been playing together for three years. It's, it's not easy. So it's, it's, it's a fun go, like, but that's, that's being a dad, you know, it's, it's awesome. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for taking any of your precious time to talk with us today. And I know we will be back because we got all kinds of other things to talk about. So. Oh, I would love it. <laughs> if, if you would, Yes, we Gift have us with some more 12 time. more subjects to talk, talk about. So. <laughs> awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk anytime. You know, I, I have a gazillion things I'd love to talk about. You know that. Awesome. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Justin. Okay, you all have a good day. Talk to you later. That's it for today's U18. Since we like to end with a gamer challenge, let's hear from a youngster in one of our brandix programs about one of their favorites. Hello, my name is Francis, and I am 11 years old. My name is Ruth and I'm 11 years old. My name is Clara and I'm 12 years old. And we training on BrandX.com. We're going to show you guys how to play a really fun game called Flip the Cone. Flip the Cone is a very fun game to have when we have a warm-up. Okay, so how do you play this game? Um, every team runs up the cone and tries to flip it. Uh, you can flip three times, and each time it lands correctly, like this, uh, you take a chip. And what do you do with that chip? Uh, you put in a pile for a tea. And that's your points, right? Yeah. Okay. Great. That was a youth fitness podcast, topics on youth fitness with focus on doing what's best for kids. Brought to you by the Martin family, the developers of the Brand X Method and the Athlete Coach Network. We hope you guys enjoyed that episode and you listen for more.